Good morning. I hope you're all having a good Wednesday start to your Wednesday morning. This is Tyler Gregory, and I'm your host to this new podcast called Around the Bases. All right. So before we get into the college softball talk, or just softball talk in general, um, let me give you a little background about me, just in case you don't know about me or of me. Um, Like I said, my name is Tyler Gregory. Um, I graduated from James Madison University in April of 2019. Um, Got my degree in sports and recreation management and with a business minor. Um, Spent five years there. Um, My last three years I spent it as a student manager for the JMU softball team. Um, so that's why, you know, that's where this love for softball came from. Um, originally freshman year, I didn't, wasn't, you know, following college softball a lot. I knew JMU was good. I just didn't really, you know, follow them until the NCAA tournament, um, that year. Um, but you know, um, sophomore year, uh, they made the super regional. They hosted the super regional against LSU. That's what really drove me to, you know, start following softball a lot more. And, you know, ultimately, that's um, watching them on ESPN. That uh, gave made my decision very easy to join the JMU softball team as a student manager. And then my junior year, um, you know, first year with the softball team as a manager, um, you know, it was a great experience. Um, I had to open up a little more time in my life. Uh, after that year Um, so my senior year I had made a lot more time for uh, the softball team so I could be there for you know pretty much almost everything for them Um, you know naturally Um, and then by the fifth year the my love for college softball is just it it exponentially grown from each you know year Um, literally every year my love for college softball grew more and more um, to the point where I'm now doing this podcast, you know, for college softball. And, you know, professional and USA softball will get mixed in there from time to time. I will mention I do have a USA softball segment at the end, um, but we'll get to that uh, later. Um, But, yeah, that's just my background, Um, you know. College softball, to me, has become my favorite sport. Um, One, I think college sports are better than professional sports anyway. Um, Two, the pace of play and how fast softball plays is absolutely outstanding. The fact that they can play a game, a seven-inning game in two hours, makes it, it just makes it that much more fun to watch than, you know, say a um, baseball game or, you know, football where you're there for three, th- three plus hours, you know. Um, so, I mean, this, I mean, college softball games can be played in as quick as you know, basically an hour and a half. You know, ranging to you know, you know, it can go to two and a half hours. But um, just the pace of play is absolutely outstanding to me. Um, and you know, college softball is—it's just absolutely fun to watch. And it's something that I've grown very attached to, and I love to watch, and I'm ready for the season to start tomorrow. 
Alright, so, <clears throat> you've got enough of my background now. Let's move on to this college softball talk. First and foremost, welcome back to Division I college softball tomorrow. Um, we'll have our first games getting going tomorrow. Um, you know, we'll talk more about some games that I've highlighted uh, later in this uh, later in, on in this uh, show here for you. Um, no, not personal. I mean, you know, not the. You mean I'm just giving you some games to at least look out for. You know, we'll see uh, if you decide to follow them or you know whatever you would choose. Um, <clears throat> but let's dive right in, shall we? My first topic, can UCLA repeat as national champions? <clears throat> First and foremost, um, losing Rachel Garcia and Bubba Nichols to the U.S. women's national team, um, that's going to hurt them, but um, they will be fine in the circle, and I'll mention more about them in a second. Um, and they also have pieces in their everyday lineup to be able to cover the loss um, of those losses. <clears throat> so, what? Uh, let's look at what UCLA lost here for the season. Um, we'll start with Bubba Nichols. Last year, Bubba Nichols uh, she had a three ninety batting average, eighteen home runs, seventy two RBIs, a seven fourteen slugging percentage. Um, 4.58 on base percentage and a 9.87 fielding percentage. <clears throat> That's going to be tough to replace, um, but they might do it by committee this year more so than last year. You know, Bubba, what absolutely outstanding hitter. Um, and she could play the field, so, you know, that's always going to be a tough loss, but, you know, it's always that next man up or next woman up in this case mentality. A next player up. We'll go with that in this case. <clears throat> now, Rachel Garcia's stats last year. Um, obviously, she was the USA uh, Softball National Player of the Year last year. Um, <clears throat> actually, she's the two-time defending player of the year. So somebody's going to win that award. Somebody new is going to win that award this year. Um I don't think I'll touch on that today. I won't touch on that during this podcast today. Um, but later on down the road, we will start looking at the USA Softball, you know, National Player of the Year candidates and who we should be looking for there. Um, we'll touch on that another time. But Rachel Garcia, um, she had a 1.14 ERA last year. Um, she was 29 and one in the circle. Unbelievable. Um, she gave up 33 earned runs in 202 innings pitched. Uh, 286 strikeouts. Fantastic number. Um, and opponent, opponents were only hitting 162 average against her. So, huge loss in the circle. Um, but we'll talk about the, her replacements in the circle in a minute. Um, Rachel Garcia's batting prowess, um, she's 343 batting average, 11 home runs, 57 RBIs, 35 walks, and a 449 on-base percentage. Now, last year, um, 
I got to witness UCLA softball in person at the Los Angeles Super Regional when JMU dis, uh, played UCLA. Um, and Rachel Garcia was every bit as impressive as I had seen on TV or heard from everyone else. <clears throat> but, you know, these are two big pieces um, that they're losing. Um, but, you know, they should be able to cover it. Let's dive into who's going to be um, replacing them. So, <clears throat> in the circle... We have uh, Megan Faramo and Holly Azevedo. Um, Megan, in the circle last year, she went 141 ERA. Uh, she was 16-4 and four in the circle, 23 earned runs in 114 innings pitched, 143 strikeouts, and a 166 batting average against her. Um, so really good numbers. She pitched in Game 2 of that Los Angeles Super Regional that I was there for. Um... And she looked every bit as impressive, too. Um, you know, she did... Uh, she had a very good uh, first two runs through the lineup. You know, that third time, you know, it starts getting a little bit harder there for you. You know, they'll uh, batters will make adjustments to you and whatnot, so... <clears throat> but, Megan, it looks to be the ace this year. Um... Holly, she'll come in as the number two, which, you know, that's a pretty good combo because Holly Azevedo, she was had a 2-1-2 ERA last year. She was 11-1 in the circle, 27 earned runs in 89 pitch, innings pitched, uh, 73 strikeouts, and a 207 batting average against. So a pretty good solid two, uh, number two option behind her. So in the circle, I think they can they should be fine for the most part. Um, Rachel Garcia obviously is a great pitcher and hitter, um, but I think pitching, they should still be fine. Um, they might just need to develop a third arm so that, you know, Megan and Holly aren't doing everything. Um, but by the postseason, you know, it will be Megan, the Megan and Holly show in the circle for UCLA. Especially if they want to make it to another Women's College World Series. <clears throat> now the pieces in the everyday lineup. Uh, Brianna Perez, 383 average last year, 45 RBIs, 429 on base percentage. She's going to be key. Uh, Malia Quarles, she had a 610 slugging percentage last year. That's pretty good. Uh, Kelly Godine, 418 batting average, 469 on base percentage, 23 stolen bases in 26 attempts, and a 988 fielding percentage. So the key for her is her speed, so she should be stealing bases left and right. Um, Aaliyah Jordan, uh, she's got a 383 average last year, 13 home runs, 61 RBIs, 711 slugging percentage, and uh, 28 walks and a 467 on base percentage. Um, another big power hitter for UCLA that returns to the lineup, so should be able to cover, cover uh, the loss of Bubba Nichols and Rachel Garcia a little bit. Um, lastly, you know, they have uh, Kinsley Washington as well. 321 batting average last year, seven stolen bases in eight attempts, and a 971 fielding percentage. So, another speedy player, you know, that can get you stolen bases uh, here and there. Um, you know, it's always important to get the stolen bases where you can, you know, moving up an extra base, you know, 
should be, makes it you know tougher on the defense to defend. Um, makes it you know not necessarily easier for the hitters to adjust and be able to drive them home. But speed definitely kills. Um, you want to be uh, stealing bases if you can get away with it and not get thrown out, basically. Um, but my final thought on this is UCLA has the pieces to repeat as national champions. But I would like to see some games played first before I crown them as my favorite to win. Because I could easily see 10 different teams winning this title this year. Um, you know, you look at Alabama, they're stacked. Washington is stacked. Um, Gabby Plain returning in the circle. She is. They did lose Taryn Alvello, so they don't have the one-two punch. But, you know, we'll see if Gabby Plain can basically assert her dominance and still be... You know, up there as one of the top pitchers in the nation. Um, Oklahoma, always good. Um, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. I'm I'm very high on Oklahoma State right now. Um, they went out and got some high level transfers, which we'll also talk about later. Um, but anyway, I need to see some I need to see some game action before I just think that UCLA could is my favorite to repeat. They're, they're, I definitely could see them winning a national championship again. I just don't know if they will be able to do it. But, we, you know, we can discuss that further on down the road. <clears throat> All right, so now, moving on. Uh, what can Clemson achieve in their first season of softball within the ACC? Um, certainly not the strongest conference for softball, but, you know... <clears throat> It's certainly, you know, still a <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> certainly still a power five conference. Um realistically, in my opinion, <coughs> I think it will take a season or two um for them to get going. However, um <coughs> They did bring in transfer M.K. Bonamy from Notre Dame, which is huge. Um, she was one of the best hitters in the ACC last season. Um, she had a 310 batting average, 409 on-base percentage, 44 RBIs, 25 walks, 6 stolen bases, and 9 attempts. Um, Realistically, for this first season, I say Clemson goes middle of the pack towards the bottom of the ACC. <clears throat> you know, maybe they'll surprise me and get closer towards that top, but you'll have to wait and see on that one. Um, they do have a tough opening weekend schedule at the Central Florida Invitational. Um, they got Duke, Indiana, and Central Florida uh, this weekend, so... Those are all key games for Clemson, especially against Duke, who who is an ACC uh, opponent. Um, Indiana, <coughs> good uh, Big Ten conference, and Central Florida always seems to be one of those pretty good. Uh, always seems to be one of those mid majors that could give you trouble too if you're not ready. Um, also, this season. Clemson gets Georgia at home, 
that's good. That's big. Um, they'll go to Virginia Tech for a series on a weekend. Uh, at South Carolina, another big series against the SEC. They'll get two at home against uh, Conference USA champion Louisiana Tech. Um, and lastly, they'll have a uh, series at home against Florida State. So, <clears throat> like I said, realistically, I think this Clemson team, they gave, they set themselves up with a very tough schedule in their first season. Um, now, if we go back two years ago when Duke had their first season of softball, they did pretty, I mean, they were pretty average. I mean, for a first season of a program finishing about 500, that was pretty impressive at that time. Um, and that's realistically what I'm looking at here for Clemson. Um, I mean, maybe they'll maybe the addition of MK Bonamy will be uh, big enough to lead the hitters on that team. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they have the pitching yet. I guess we'll have to <clears throat> wait until this weekend to see if Clemson can put some pitching together. Um, but I'm excited to see what Clemson can achieve, um, this being their first season. So I'll probably have more on them next week after we have a first week of games. Um, but Clemson, I'm excited to see what you can do. Show me what you got. Um, next topic. <clears throat> How does Missouri's postseason ban affect them now and in future seasons? First off, I think in this, I think it's entirely wrong to punish the current players who weren't a part of the sanctions to begin with. Um, none of them were there when the sanctions that were levied against them. <coughs> none of them were there. So, I don't think it's right to take away their chance to um, go to an NCAA tournament and win games for their conference, the SEC. I don't think it's fair to them. I It's, it's not the ideal situation for certain. That having been said, honestly, teams react different to this. Um... Teams have handled this in different ways. I would like to believe that, you know, Missouri's still going to play well this season, despite the fact that, you know, they can't, they aren't tournament eligible this year. Um, <clears throat> but the recruiting aspect of future years could hurt a little bit. Um, I've seen it happen to other teams. Now, college softball is obviously different with recruiting and the game itself and all of that um, but it could t uh, you know maybe maybe it doesn't take Missouri long to recover from this postseason ban but <clears throat> I, I, I just think it's personally wrong to sanction them for something none of their current players were a part of um, that's just me but I mean, so now technically the AC, uh, not the ACC, the SEC will not technically have everyone into the tournament now, technically. 
Um, which, speaking of the SEC, um, can every team make it to the NCAA tournament again, like they have for the past couple years? Um, I would say they have a realistic shot. I mean, there's certainly an SEC bias in the college softball landscape. Um, you know, the SEC's motto, it just means more. That's certainly very, I mean, that can, that's applicable here to college softball for sure. Um, they're pumping money and resources and everything to make their college softball programs to another level. Um, that's just how the SEC does. Um, but, you know, can they make all, can every team, you know, except for Missouri, given that postseason ban, can they all make it? Certainly they can. I mean, the committee loves the SEC. Um, should they? Personally, I don't think every team from a conference should make a, a tournament. I mean, I get, I get we're saying that the SEC is one of those absolutely dominant conferences in softball now, right now. Um, but, you know, the Pac-12 is getting a resurgence here. Um, <clears throat> but I think that's just left for, you know, I'll leave that up to the committee to decide. Um, they can talk about the SEC as much as they want. Um, ultimately, in the end, I think every team, except for Missouri, you know, given that postseason ban... Um, every SEC team will make the NCAA tournament again this year, in my opinion. <clears throat> I mean, unless something absolutely disastrous goes wrong with one SEC team, I think they all get in again. Um, but, you know, we can look at that further on. How will Mike Smith resigning at Ole Miss ultimately affect them in the SEC and national landscape? Again, this is like Missouri's postseason ban. You never know how this can affect a team. Um, but we will just have to see how they look against quality competition that you see in the SEC from week to week. Um, they'll still, they still have the majority of their weapons. So they sh absolutely should still make the NCAA tournament. Um, they still have the pieces to get there. It's just going to be with a different head coach. Maybe not one with, you know, the pedigree of Mike Smith, but they absolutely still have the weapons to get to the NCAA tournament. And they absolutely should get there. Um, they did lose uh, Kylan Becker, who was 426 batting average, 28 RBIs, 34 stolen bases. They're going to lose some speed there. Um, they also lose their pitcher, Brittany Finney, 27 ERA. 18 and 10 in the circle and 129 strikeouts in 147 and two-thirds innings pitched. Now, the key returners on this Ole Miss team, junior Abby Latham. Uh, she was 330 batting average last year, 10 home runs, 54 RBIs, 17 stolen bases. So she's still a, st uh, a speedy threat. Um, sophomore Tate Whitley, 290 batting average, 12 RBIs last year. Senior Kaylee Horton, 289 batting average, 28 RBIs, 23 stolen bases, so another speedy option. <clears throat> Senior Autumn Gillespie, 243 batting average, 5 home runs, 25 RBIs. Junior Jessica Puck, 
250 batting average, 9 home runs, 41 RBIs, 11 stolen bases. So another threat to steal a base. Um, and in the circle, you got senior Molly Jacobson, 215 ERA last year, 14 and 8, uh, 166 strikeouts in 166 and a third innings pitched. So almost exactly a strikeout per inning. <clears throat> and then junior Ava Tillman, uh, she was 199 ERA in the circle, um, 8 and 2. And she had 43 strikeouts in her 74 innings pitched. <clears throat> so, <coughs> excuse me. So, like I said, Ole Miss, I think they will make the tournament, and they still have the pieces there to be able to do a little damage in the NCAA tournament. But we'll see how it goes. Um, now, Let's move on to our preseason conference poll champions around the country. <clears throat> Alright. So the Southland Conference has tabbed Stephen F. Austin as their champion. CAA has tabbed James Madison as their champion. ACC says the Florida, uh, that Florida State will win the championship again this year. America East says Stony Brook. The Atlantic 10 actually had a split, uh, they had a tie at the top of their uh, preseason poll between Fordham and George Washington. The Atlantic Sun says Liberty will be their uh, champion come the end of the season. Big Sky says Weber State will win it again this year. Big South, Longwood, perennial power there in the Big South. Um, Conference USA, they say North Texas will win. Um, as of last night when I was looking this up, the Horizon League had not announced their preseason poll. Um, so I went back to last year, did a little research here. Um, in my opinion, they would say that either UIC or Detroit Mercy is going to win the conference. Um, Detroit Mercy was the one that won the conference last year in the tournament, in the Horizon League tournament. Um... But I've seen projections that UIC will go to the tournament this year with that automatic bid from the Horizon League. Um, so that's just who I would think they would pick for the preseason poll. Obviously, they might have announced it while I'm doing this podcast, but don't have the time necessarily to look it up. Uh, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference's preseason poll champion, Monmouth, they seem to be at the top always in that conference now. Uh, MAC champions, I would say Kent State. They haven't released their conference poll again as of last night. But from the way I'm looking at it, Kent State is the projected favorite there. Um, <clears throat> the Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference, Bethune-Cookman looks to win it again. Uh, Missouri Valley Conference, Drake, you know, a very good mid-major softball program. Oh, the Ohio Valley Conference, they have Southeast Missouri State. The SEC, Alabama, not really a shocker there. Um, the Southern Conference, Chattanooga, 
Summit League, North Dakota State, the Bison. Um, they'll they have them repeating as conference champions here in the preseason. Excuse me. Sun Belt. We got Louisiana. Um, the Raging Cajuns. They're looking for a you know a national seed this year, possibly hosting a regional super regional this year. So we'll see how that works out for them. We'll see if they run through their conference like that. The WAC champion, Seattle, they look to repeat. Um, and the WAC conference has voted them as their preseason champion. The Big Ten, they hadn't released their uh, poll either. So I would say that Minnesota is going to be who they pick for their preseason champion. Um, I just like Amber Pfizer coming back in the circle for Minnesota. Um among their other weapons that are in the everyday lineup as well. Um, <clears throat> but I definitely have Minnesota as Big Ten preseason poll champions. Um, the American Athletic Conference, they have South Florida, NEC, or the Northeast Conference, they have LIU. Formerly known as LIU Brooklyn, they brought it down. Now it's just LIU University. Um, the Sharks, Patriot League, Boston University. They seem to be one of the best in the Patriot League year in year out. Big Twelve, Oklahoma. I could actually see an argument where to say that Oklahoma State will be better than Oklahoma and will win the Big Twelve, but the Big Twelve has voted Oklahoma as their preseason poll champion. The Big East, DePaul, um, they won it last year. Uh, they hope to do it again this year. Ivy League, um, I projected Harvard because they also hadn't released their poll as of last night. Harvard seems to be the best team in the Ivy League. Um, so I would say that more than likely Harvard will be their preseason champion. Um... The SWAC, uh, in the East Division in the SWAC, they have Alabama State as champion. In the West, they have Texas Southern. The Big West has Cal State Fullerton as their champion preseason. Mountain West Conference has San Jose State as their preseason conference champion. Pac-12 has Washington. No real surprise there. Um, and lastly, the West Coast Conference has BYU as their champion. So... Those are all of the preseason conference poll champions that I've either seen online or projected because they hadn't released them by last night. Um, and we can dive more into those later on down the road once we have games going. Um, <clears throat> next up, who will be the high-profile transfer who has the greatest impact on their team? Alright, so let's go through all, uh, well actually first, before we dive into transfers, um, big news shook the Arizona State softball program. Um, Jade Gortarez is leaving the Arizona State program. She had made all Pac-12 teams her both years at Arizona State. She was hitting 347, she had 15 doubles, 6 home runs. 567 slugging percentage, 421 on base percentage. Um, 
She helped Arizona State make the Women's College World Series in 2018, and she was Softball America's number 66 player in the nation. I see that as being a big loss for Arizona State. Only time will tell how much of a big impact that will be. Um, but just certainly some news that the Pac-12 monitored and was sure to make me or make me feel like I know what's going on. Um, so that's big news hitting the Arizona State program. Um, we'll see how much of an effect losing her has on their season. <clears throat> but we'll check that out moving forward. <clears throat> Alright, back to the high-profile transfer who will have the greatest impact on their team. I've got a whole list of these, so... Hang, hang in with me here. <clears throat> Kaylin Arnold for Florida State. Uh, last year she had a 226 ERA, uh, 11-8 in the circle, 38 earned runs, and 102 innings pitched, 102 strikeouts, uh, 219 batting average against for Tennessee last year. Mariah Lopez for Arizona. A 125 ERA, 19-1 in the circle, 21 earned runs in 117 and two-thirds innings pitched, 159 strikeouts, and a 159 batting average against last year for Oklahoma. <clears throat> Haley Busby um, and Carrie Eberly for Oklahoma State. Haley Busby, uh, she was a 3.81 batting average, 11 homers, 27 RBIs, 7.02 slugging. Percentage 413 on base percentage for UVA last year. Um, and Eberly, she was where is she? Where did I, I'll put her on the back. Um, Kayla Eberly, she Carrie Eberly, excuse me, uh, 1.84 ERA, 53 earned runs, and 201 and one third innings pitched last year, 164 strikeouts, and a 236 batting average against for Virginia Tech last year. As well as being 25 and 8 in the circle. So, Oklahoma State's getting the ACC Pitcher of the Year. So, that should be interesting. Um, Charla Eccles for Florida. 359 batting average, 7 home runs, 28 RBIs, 613 slugging percentage, 27 walks, 468 on base percentage, and a 983 fielding percentage for Michigan State last year. Peyton Bursch for Ohio State. She had a 164 ERA, 6-1 in the circle, 11 year earned runs, excuse me, and 47 earned pitches. Oh, jeez. 47 innings pitched, excuse me. Going too fast for my own good. Um, and a 226 batting average against for JMU last year. Colleen Sullivan for Texas. Um, a 239 batting average. Five home runs, 28 walks, 12 RBIs for UCLA last year. <clears throat> Alexis Bermudez and Kayla Bozeman for JMU. Um, Alexis, she was a 332 ERA, 13 and 11 in the circle, 75 earned runs, and 158 and a third innings pitched, 288 batting average against, 278 batting average for her. Um, a 19 RBIs and a 986 fielding percentage at Bethune-Cookman last year. She was the 
Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference Pitcher of the Year last year. For Caleb Bozeman, um, excuse me, uh, 429 ERA, 2 and 3 in the circle, 20 earned runs and 32 and 2 thirds innings pitch, 31 strikeouts, 274 batting average against, a 429 batting average, a 1.143 slugging percentage, 429 on base percentage, and a perfect fielding percentage last year with Mississippi State. Excuse me. Samaria Diaz for Oregon. 2.1 ERA. Um, 16 and 9 in the circle. 53 earned runs in 177 innings pitched. 228 strikeouts. 207 batting average against last year for New Mexico State. <coughs> Bailey Klingler for Washington. 289 batting average, 5 home runs, 29 RBIs, and a 986 fielding percentage for Texas A&M last year. Sophie Dandola from Missouri. I had personal experience watching her when she was at Hofstra two years ago before transferring to Syracuse last year, and now she's back with Coach Larissa Anderson at Missouri. They hooked up again. They haven't uh, been together since Hofstra two years ago. But anyway. Sophie was 5.17 ERA in the circle, 5-7, 62 earned runs and 84 innings pitched, and a 329 batting average against for Syracuse. Cassidy Krupid for South Carolina. <clears throat> 6.56 ERA, 1-2 in the circle, 9.57 fielding percentage, 235 batting average, 10 home runs, and 29 RBIs for Baylor last year. I already mentioned her, M.K. Bonamy for Clemson. I'm not going to go through her stats again. She's definitely on this list, though. Mackenzie Herzog for Texas A&M. She had a 156 ERA, 10-2 um, record in the circle, 16 earned runs in 71 and two-thirds innings pitched, 179 batting average against, 316 batting average for her, at 26 RBIs, 13 stolen bases, and 14 attempts, and a perfect fielding percentage for Florida State last year. Megan Kleist for Louisiana. She took off last year. Um, in 2018, she had a 1.32 ERA, 21-7 in the circle, 34 earned runs in 179 and two-thirds innings pitched, 221 strikeouts, 173 batting average against and a 971 fielding percentage for Oregon in 2018 when she last played. Some other ones. Taylon Snow for Oklahoma. 975 fielding percentage, 324 batting average, 27 RBIs and 5 stolen bases in 7 attempts for Auburn. Chardonnay Harris for Louisville, 44 earned runs and 105 innings pitched, uh, 121 strikeouts and a 291 ERA for Auburn last year. Tyler King for Auburn, 308 batting average and 17 RBIs last year with East Carolina. Allison Febri of Oklahoma State, 
314 batting average, 9 home runs, 36 RBIs, 575 slugging percentage, 24 walks, and 966 fielding percentage for Georgia last year. Uh, Tristan Melancone of Oregon State, she had a 2-2-8 ERA, 21 earned runs in 64 and a third innings pitched. 187 batting average against and a perfect fielding percentage for Houston last year. Danielle Watson of Florida State. Uh, she had a 383 ERA, 164 strikeouts in 161 innings pitched. 225 batting average against and she even hit a home run for Louisville last year. Alexis Mack at Alabama. Uh, she took off the year last year. She in 2018, she had 369 batting average, 24 stolen bases, and 43 runs scored for Oregon in 2018. Maggie Ballant for or Ballant for San Diego State. <coughs> she was she also took off last year. So in 2018, she had a 7-1 record, 2.11 ERA, 62 strikeouts, and 59 and two-thirds innings pitched for Oregon in 2018. And lastly, Brooke Yanez for Oregon. Last year, she had a 1.03 ERA, 25-7 in the circle, 30 earned runs, and 273 strikeouts in 203 and two-thirds innings pitched. A 179 batting average against. She hit 229 batting average, five home runs, 457 slugging percentage for UC Davis last year. <clears throat> I know I threw out a lot of names and a lot of stats there, but who will be the biggest uh, transfer who has the greatest impact on their team out of that list? Personally, I see the um, Haley Busby and Carrie Everly having the biggest impact for Oklahoma State because those two are replacing uh, Samantha Shaw in the circle and Maddie Sue Montgomery um, in the everyday lineup. So those two, um, I see them, you know, having the biggest impact for Oklahoma State, and that's just who my picks would be for the uh, transfers to have the biggest impact on this season for their team. Alright. <clears throat> now that we've gotten that all taken care of, let's look at some highlight games here for opening weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the NFCA leadoff classic on Friday... You got um, Notre Dame faces off against Missouri and Auburn. So those should be fun. Kentucky against Liberty. Auburn against Baylor. Let's see if Baylor can have a rebound year from last year. Um, see if they can get back on track against Auburn here early. Um, and then Louisville plays Ole Miss and Baylor. So it should be a good test there for uh Chardonnay Harris against um, Ole Miss and Baylor there to start her career at Louisville. Um, 
the NFCA leadoff classic Saturday. On Saturday, excuse me. Uh, Missouri-Minnesota. Should be a fantastic matchup seeing Amber Pfizer going against Missouri's offense. Notre Dame-Ole Miss. Should be a fun one there as well. Baylor-Missouri. Mississippi State gets to take on Liberty and Louisville. Um, And Liberty against Auburn. So let's see what a high-profile mid-major like Liberty can do against an SEC team in Auburn. And also Kentucky on Friday. But, anyway. And then lastly, the NFCA leadoff classic on Sunday. Uh, you got Missouri-Louisville, Ole Miss against Liberty, and Kentucky-Minnesota, which might be the highlight game of that leadoff classic, in my opinion. Well, let's see how Kentucky responds with losing Abby Cheek to graduation. Um... I think they still have some pieces to be able to be a really good team in the SEC. Um, And going against Amber Pfizer and the Minnesota squad here um, on opening weekend should prove a tough test for them on Sunday. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, You know, it should be a really good time there. All right. Moving on to the Kajikawa Classic. Some highlight games from that tournament, or that opening weekend tournament. Northwestern and Utah. Um, Northwestern, they have they had one of the best uh, freshman pitchers in Danielle Williams last year. Uh, so we'll see if she can take an even bigger step here in year two for Northwestern. And that game's important, because I want to see if Utah... They've been kind of down as of, la- I mean, they were down last year. So I want to see if they can rebound and hopefully, you know, put on a good showing out in the Pac-12. Northwestern also gets to play Arizona State and Tennessee. So those should be two very fun matchups. Also, Tennessee gets to play Arizona and Arizona State. Tennessee versus Arizona is absolutely 100% the highlight matchup of this classic. No ifs, ands, buts, or about it. Tennessee versus Arizona. One of the top teams in the SEC versus the one of the top teams in the Pac-12. The two giants in college softball. Or two powers of co- or power conferences of college softball going against each other opening weekend. It's what I'm here for. It's amazing. Good stuff. <clears throat> now, down in Mexico, we have the Puerto Vallarta College Challenge. Some games from this, Nevada, BYU. See if those two can, you know, have a good season this year. Um, Nevada also plays Oklahoma, so that should be interesting. Oregon, BYU. Nevada, Oregon. And then BYU versus Oklahoma. <clears throat> I wasn't really getting any massive, um, big-time game-feel vibes from these games. Um, But it's just something to look forward to, you know, something to watch out for, something to take in and enjoy. The fact that college softball is back for this opening weekend. Alright, and some games that aren't necessarily just attached to, you know, 
or some uh, games that aren't attached to big name tournaments. Um, you, I mentioned it earlier, Clemson and Duke. That's a big game. That's a huge game for Clemson to open. I believe that's Clemson's opening game of the season. So, come out against an ACC opponent, put your stake on the ACC. We'll see what happens. Um, this one has a little bit of a purse, uh, a home feel for me. Uh, East Carolina versus Virginia Tech. I know JMU has played used to, or is used to playing East Carolina a lot. They left them off the schedule this year. Um, and Virginia Tech is right up there with JMU as the best softball program in the state of Virginia. So I'm interested to see if ECU can hang with Virginia Tech. Um, as of right now, I'm not certain they will. But I, it's, I'm just saying I just want to see what Virginia Tech looks like also without their ACC Pitcher of the Year and Kerry Eberly. I want to see if Keely Rochard has to be the dominant ace and pitch nearly every game or if they can develop a second pitcher who, you know, can step in and relieve Keely Rochard of pitching literally every game. DePaul against South Dakota. So, um, our Big East uh, preseason champion against a very, uh, I mean, a good mid-major program in South Dakota. But DePaul versus Drake. Twice. Um, DePaul, Big East preseason poll champion against the Missouri Valley Conference preseason poll champion. Twice on opening weekend. Should be an absolutely fun matchup. Um, Speaking of, Drake against South Dakota. That's a pretty big matchup. Um, I know South Dakota, you know, they don't get a lot of national recognition but they're certainly on my radar for sure um uh, big sky preseason poll champion weber state against grand canyon twice now you may not look at grand canyon as a big team um but oh god who was it grand canyon they took out florida state last year or was it Florida State? Oh, God, who did they take out? They took out... I think they took out Florida State when they were ranked first in the nation. I could be wrong on that. Don't hate on me for getting that wrong, but I believe that's who they played and who they beat last year. So, And then Weber State also gets two games against Pac-12 Stanford, so that should be fun, too. Michigan-Florida. Huge matchup. Michigan still got their pitchers um, from last year's um, regional run. Uh, you know, that Ann Arbor regional, I was there for that because JMU was there. Um, Michigan's got some very talented pitching. So it should be fun to watch them this year. It's going to be fun to see uh, Megan Bobian against the Florida offense. That's just going to be an absolutely outstanding matchup. So I can't wait to look. For, I can't wait to see how that matchup turns out. Um, Texas against Wichita State twice. Wichita State, you know, typically one of the has, you know, they were down a little bit in recent memory. Um, 
still a pretty good mid-major. I mean, American Conference is trying not to call themselves a mid-major. But essentially, that's what they are until they can get, you know, a Power 5 and make it a Power 6 conference type thing. Um, Alabama gets to play UNC twice. That may not seem huge in and of itself, but Alabama gets to play Florida State twice also this weekend. Number one versus number eight in the nation twice this weekend. One on Friday and one on Saturday. The If you mark down any games to watch this week, be sure to tune in to Alabama and Florida State. Two top ten teams going at each other on opening weekend. And it's going to be on ACC Network Extra, if I'm not mistaken. I know they'll, it'll be on ACC Network something. I don't know if it'll be on the big ACC Network, but it will be on something. So absolutely go mark that in your calendars and go watch Alabama-Florida State this weekend. Absolutely outstanding matchup and one that we need to keep watch over. <clears throat> LSU gets to play Oklahoma State twice. That's another matchup that will be on SEC Network+. Plus. Absolutely go have those two. Mark that down in your calendar as well. LSU always at the top, towards the top of the SEC against Oklahoma State, which could be the top team in the Big 12 maybe. Absolutely fantastic matchup. Mark that too. Um, if you miss it, watching it, um, you know, always go back to ESPN. Go to replays and watch LSU and Oklahoma State or Alabama, Florida State. You will not be disappointed. I would per- pretty much beg to that you will not be disappointed with those games. <clears throat> Louisiana Tech, the, um, um, they're not even predicted. Uh, well, you know, Louisiana Tech, you know, coming off of their Conference USA Championship last year against Texas Tech. Should be a good one. Um, Bethune-Cookman, <coughs> the uh, Mid-Eastern Athletic Conference preseason poll champions against Wisconsin twice. Let's see with how Bethune-Cookman responds to losing their uh, conference pitcher of the year uh, against Wisconsin twice. A little bit of a a lot a little bit of a lot lesser known team, you know, Southern Illinois. Uh, they've definitely been on my radar. Southern Illinois takes on North Dakota State. That should be a pretty good, uh, somewhat decent matchup. Um, also, Southern Illinois, South Carolina, should be a fun one. Stanford faces off against Big Sky preseason poll champion Weber State twice this weekend. Should be an, another fantastic matchup. Um, and the last one I have written down here is Arkansas against Nebraska. Maybe not the biggest of SEC Big Ten matchups, but <clears throat> it's something we want to at least to highlight. Um, and there will be other games out there, you know. There absolutely will 100% be other games, you know, that we'll take a look at throughout the week 
until next Wednesday. Um, and, you know, we'll have a recap of the week next Wednesday um, so we can see where my games, these highlighted games that I have, you know, how they fell, what took place, what's the takeaway from these games. Um, it's the first weekend, so I don't expect perfection from anyone here on the first weekend. Um, but, you know, it's good to have you back, college softball, so definitely happy to see that uh, you'll be back tomorrow and be back in full swing, so looking forward to getting that started and raring to go. <clears throat> My last piece today is I have to mention the USA Softball Stand Beside Her Tour, which is a ton of exhibition games in preparation for the Olympics this summer um, in Tokyo this summer. Um, last night was the first game. Uh, USA, uh, the USA team was at South Florida last night. Um, and the USA went on to win 3 nothing in that matchup last night, so that was a good kickoff to this tour. Um, they had o at over a thousand people there, and it was a it looked like a pretty good time there. So <clears throat> I'm glad to see that you know USA softball is getting a huge attendance already for this uh, stand beside her tour, which is presented by Major League Baseball, which is absolutely huge for the game of softball. <clears throat> by the way, just saying. Alright, so US, the USA team will be at the NFCA leadoff classic this weekend. So on Friday, they will take on Mississippi State at 6 and Illinois at 8. So we'll see how those games go for the U.S. Um, <clears throat> on Saturday, the U.S. team will take on Baylor and we'll, at 3 and will take on Kentucky at 5.30. So that should be a fun matchup. See if Kentucky can give USA a little, a few problems, maybe. <clears throat> um, and then on Sunday, uh, the USA team will take on Texas State at noon, which, fun fact, is where Kat Osterman is one of the coaches for that team. Um, so she had to take a take the year off from Texas State to go be with the USA softball team. Um, so that should be fun. She gets to reunite with her all her um, Texas State coaches, players that she knows. And, you know, hopefully they pitch Cat Osterman against them because that would be pretty awesome to see that. Um, and then the last one on Tuesday, since I won't be recording again until Wednesday next week, um, the USA softball team will take on Florida at Florida at 6 next Tuesday night. Um, so that, out of all those games that I just mentioned, that one against Florida is probably the best one. Um, but, well, you know, should be a good time. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this stand beside her tour, you know, can do for the game of USA or in USA softball. Um, this is a great opportunity for the USA softball team to go around the country promoting the game of softball while also getting ready for the Olympics this summer. 
Um, should be a good preparation playing some of the best college teams in the country. Um, I know they have Arizona later. Um, I think, I'm pretty sure they have Alabama later in the year as well. Um, so it's uh, the Stam Decider Tour is off and running now. Um, so that's good to see. Um, we'll look forward to seeing what this tour can mean for a lot of young girls around the country. Um, it's a good opportunity for USA Softball to showcase what they're about and also to let everyone know they should be watching them in Tokyo in the summer, in the Olympics this summer. So, well, <clears throat> that's all I got for you today in my first podcast. My name, again, is Tyler Gregory, and this has been the Around Your Bases, Around the Bases podcast here. Um, this was our first one, so stay tuned next Wednesday. Um, I'll have another uh, podcast ready to go for you. Um, feel free to engage with me. Leave me any thoughts, com- uh, comments. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, let me know where I can improve. Let me know what you know what you want to see what you want to hear feel free to just um get in touch with me see how let me know let me know how everything's going all right seems like a good time to wrap this all up thank you for listening um i know it's been an hour of i threw a lot of things out at you here um but you know i there's a lot to talk about with college softball it's a grand time Um, so stay tuned for more content and, you know, everyone have a good week. Watch some softball. Um, you know, ESPN just announced that they're having a record program set, a record setting program here this year for college softball. So make sure to tune into games, educate yourself about teams this year and, you know, build your own thoughts about what's going to happen with the season. And then, you know, we can have a conversation about that moving forward. Um, absolutely outstanding week opening weekend here. Looking forward to it. Um, <clears throat> so, like I said, go go out watch some college softball this weekend, and you know, feel free to engage with me moving forward. All right. This is Tyler signing off for Around the Bases podcast. We'll see you again next Wednesday. Take care.